Hello and welcome to Aaron City. I am your hostess with the mostest, Aaron Black, and I will be discussing a new movie today by the name of Love and Basketball. Now, no, this movie is not new as in just hit the theaters, but new to some of my viewers who maybe haven't seen the movie or have heard about it but never got a chance to watch it. I will be doing my own personal analysis of it and how I feel it affects the black community. Now, you might be wondering, uh, is Love and Basketball really a toxic film? In some aspects, yes. Is it like Baby Boy? No way, Jose. That movie does not touch Love and Basketball, and Love and Basketball does not touch Baby Boy at all. Baby Boy is a 10-plus on toxicity levels, okay? That movie is scoring off the charts, I cringed at least 30 times during the entire duration of me watching Baby Boy compared to me cringing eh, three to five times on the movie Love and Basketball. But moving on, the movie Love and Basketball was made in the year 2000 and it starred one of my favorite actors, Omar Epps, the cute ball guy with the big eyes. (laughs) He's played in a lot of movies that I really do like and he played in this one as well. Now, the plot of Love and Basketball is about this young black couple who have been best friends for years. They met when they were about 11 or 12 years old. They were new neighbors, and they began playing basketball with each other at 11. They instantly fell in love with with each other. They started dating at this young age, and they have been enamored with each other ever since. They went to the same high school. They even attended the same college. However, it seemed as though the sport of basketball always kept them connected. No matter what was going on, basketball was always there to back them up. However, in the movie, it took a few turns and basketball was instantly taken out of the equation. But I'll get to that later on. So the setting was in 1981. And I loved how the movie began. It began with a little girl pretending to be a guy so she could play basketball with the other guys in the neighborhood. That's how they met. She had this cute hat on and there were three other little boys and they said, hey, you want to play? And she said, yeah. And as soon as she took her hat off, they're like, oh, no, you know, we've been duped. I thought that was a boy that's a girl girls can't ball girls can't ball you know that mentality of girls can't do certain things girls can't be mechanics girls can't play basketball play this play that well she sure showed them out when i tell you she cut every single boy's ankles on the court she cut them all with no hesitations (laughs) it actually shocked me because i was expecting this little girl to fold but she was a girl with a lot of tenacity she did not give up and she showed out on that court with that being said she fell in love with one of those little boys whose name is Quincy now Quincy is a star basketball player and she's a star basketball player as well however guy basketball players tend to get more of a red carpet rollout than women do which is showcased in the movie because she has a temper And while she's playing the game, she gets very passionate. She starts yelling and shouting at the referee. She's like, man, why'd I get fouled for that? You know, just really passionate. And she's always getting told by others, hey, you know, Monica, 
calm down. It's just a game. Calm down. You want to be recruited for college. You have to get rid of that temper. And she always tells them, well, hey, guys do the same thing I do. Why am I being told something? Is it because I'm a woman? And I'm here to tell my audience that, yes, it was because she was a woman and that women are always expected to be seen and not heard, which is really, I mean, are we, what, in the 1950s? That's sickening. That mindset is so pathetic, and I wish people would throw that mindset away. But moving on. So I really enjoyed the movie. However, things take a terrible turn after the cuteness of them meeting up is over and the cuteness of them meeting at 11 is over. We soon find out that Quincy's parents are in a toxic relationship. Quincy's parents have been married for a long time she was pregnant with them at the age of 19 she got married soon after however her husband zeke mccall was not ready to be a husband nor was he ready to be a father and he expressed this in the film to his son which oh my goodness bad bad move never ever tell your children never tell your children what you regret especially when it has to do with them. Never tell your children that you regret having them or you regret raising them or having them in your life. That can weigh heavy on a child's psyche. That can cause that child to lash out. That can cause that child to have depression, anxiety, a low self-esteem. It can cause your child to doubt themselves and it can cause your child to even commit suicide. So please do not do that. Always tell your children that you're glad to have them, that you want them in your life, And that you're happy they're here. So, not only does his parents have a toxic relationship, but his father, Zeke McCall, which he too was a star basketball player back in the day, he keeps cheating on his mother. He's constantly cheating. He's constantly getting caught up in these lawsuits. And there's one big lawsuit that he's caught up in, in which the mother finds out about. And she hires a private detector i'm sorry private ip ip private detector (laughs) to see what he's up to and there's one woman in particular that he's caught with that accuses him of knocking her up turns out that he is not the father however this puts a heavy weight on the family because now everyone knows about his infidelities And when everyone finds out about his infidelities, his son is immediately turned off by him. He's sickened at the thought of him. He can't look his father in the eye. He is resentful for years after. His girlfriend at the time, while they're in college, he tells her about this and what's going on. Quincy's like, Monica, things are going on with my dad. We find out that he could be a father. He's cheating on my mom. I don't know what to do. I'm just completely at a loss. What do I do? And she's trying to give him words of wisdom, some advice. She's trying to be a good girlfriend. Oh, side note. I noticed throughout the entire movie that he never asked her to be exclusive. He slept with her. He's flirted with her. He's kissed her. But he's never asked her to be exclusive. Which I thought was really odd because... With men, especially with men, not so much women, but with men, you have got to be direct. If you want to know where you stand, you need to ask. 
And if you have to ask, nine times out of ten, you already know the answer anyway. But moving on. So he's getting these words of wisdom. However, while they're in college, she has a curfew. And if she misses curfew, she cannot suit up and play basketball, which is her first love. She loves basketball, and he loves basketball as well. However, in that situation, he was being very selfish. He was being selfish and immature, and he was only thinking of himself and his feelings at the time. So what does he do? What does he do? Does he call her later on that night and tell her how he feels? Does he go to a counselor? Does he seek help from his friends, mother, father, sibling? Nope. Instead, he gets drunk. He begins with another female. He begins courting her. And then introduces his new girlfriend to Monica. And he expected Monica to be okay with that. What a slap in the face. Monica has known this boy since she was 11 years old. And he thinks it's okay to introduce another female that he's most likely sleeping with to Monica. This happens a lot of times in real life. Men who are playing women, they will up and ghost them. Go get with other women. Come back and pretend as if everything is okay. They will not express their feelings. They will not go get help. And they certainly will not tell their girlfriend what's going on in their personal life. Instead, they suck it up and they hold it in, which is so unhealthy. I wish people understood the ramifications of holding things in. Because if they did, they wouldn't hold things in nearly as much. And Quincy, the boyfriend, he would run to alcohol. Please. Please understand this. Alcohol, food, clothes, shoes, all these things, these worldly things, they will never, they will never fill a void that you are missing in your life. They will never fix the problems that you have. As soon as you're done drinking that bottle, as soon as you're done with that plate, as soon as you are done shopping or doing whatever it is that you're doing to cover up the pain, your pain will still be there. You will still be in the same position. Get the help that you need. Get the help that you need from a therapist, a counselor, a friend. Call a suicide hotline. They will speak with you. But don't hold it in. Don't hold it in. Okay, I'm off my soapbox of holding things in. Back to the story. So soon after this, Quincy decides to break up with Monica. Of course, Monica is devastated. She's crying. She's asking him, whatever I did, I can fix it. Blaming herself. Of course, as women, we tend to blame ourselves for things that men do when it has nothing to do with us. She starts blaming herself. And she starts saying, is this about your dad? I had curfew. What did you want me to do? If I stayed out any later, then I couldn't suit up. What do you expect me to do? And he says, be there. Now, that sounds all cute and romantic. However, once again, if she stayed out past her curfew, she could not suit up. And him saying just be there is being quite selfish and immature. He has to understand that his feelings are not the only feelings that are at stake here. His life is not the only one that's happening right now. 
her life is going on too. And he could have just called her on the phone later that night. FaceTimed her. Well, back then they didn't have FaceTime. But he could have called her over the phone to discuss what happened with his father. Tell her how he felt. But he chose not to. Instead, he chose to go get another woman. Take her to Burger King. Okay? Take her to Burger King. Then come back and introduce them to each other like nothing happened. So I found a huge, huge, huge fault with that. And before they got to college, I'd like to discuss another scene. They were at this spring dance in high school. Now, mind you, Monica did not ever express her feelings for Quincy until later on in the film. But that night they did sleep with each other, which I'm going to get to in just a moment. So they're at the dance. Monica has a date. Her date was set up by her sister, Lena. Lena is in college and Lena set up her sister on a date with the college guy that she met. They end up having an okay time. They're dancing. But when Monica and her date meet up with Quincy and his date, Shawnee, Shawnee makes this really, I mean, just, ugh, to me, it was rude. She made a really underhanded, rude comment to Monica. Now, mind you, Monica, this is her first time dressing up in a dress with jewelry, makeup, having her hair down. She's usually dressing like a tomboy, which there's nothing wrong with that. If you like to dress like a tomboy, that's great. But Shawnee was always making fun of her. And as they're in the group talking, Shawnee says, Dang, girl, I didn't know Nike made dresses. And guess what? No one defended her. No one stood up for her. She had to just stand there and say, okay, I think I'm going to go now. I felt that pain through the screen. <clears throat> there were two men present. One that is supposedly her best friend, Quincy, and the other, which is her date. Now, I don't know about anyone else, but if I'm in a situation where a girl makes a rude comment to me, an underhanded, backhanded, rude comment to me about how I look, and my date does not defend me, I'm sending him home. I'm telling him, okay, this was great. You can go now. Because what kind of man does not defend his woman? And what kind of friend doesn't, def doesn't defend another friend? That is your job as a friend. You are slacking. And the fact that he slept with her that same night, Quincy and Monica, is shocking to me. This man can't even stand up for you, yet you're giving him your body? I don't understand that one bit. I just don't understand that one bit. Now, the last scene I would like to address is towards the end, Monica and Quincy are now broken up. Monica is now living in Spain, Barcelona, Spain. Quincy is playing for the Lakers. And while he's playing for the Lakers, it's been five years since they've spoken, by the way. While he's playing for the Lakers, he tears his ACL. Huge, huge, huge devastation when you are in the NBA. That is a career-ending move. When you tear something as important as your ACL. So when he tears it, Monica hears about this and she happens to be in town. So she says, well, you know, I'm going to swing by the hospital, see how he's doing, bring him flowers, catch up. So she gets to the hospital, brings some flowers, they catch up. And she finds out that Quincy is now engaged. 
This should have been the moment that Monica said, oh, that's great. I'm happy for you. And she did. But deep down, you could tell through the screen that she was not happy for him at all. As a matter of fact, she wished it would hurt. And we soon find out that Monica is plotting to ruin the engagement by trying to get with Quincy. Now, how rude is that? I have no respect for women who try to break up marriages, who try to break up engagements or relationships. I have no sympathy for you women. Because in essence, you are playing yourself. Because your old position is now up for takes. So late one night, she goes to his window, she knocks on and she says, Hey, I want to play one last game of basketball with you, but this time I want to play for your heart. And he says, that's crazy. But they end up playing basketball anyway. She says, if I win, I get your heart. If I lose, I get your wedding present. He agrees. They start to play basketball and he wins. But... As you've probably assumed, they get together at the end of the movie. Now, I know some of you might be thinking, well, Aaron, what's the big deal? They're together. They're happy. What's the big deal? I'll tell you what the big deal is. This man was engaged. That woman he was engaged with, she was getting played. Her heart is now broken. Her family's heart is now broken. Now she has to send back wedding invitations, get her registry off the market, Send back the wedding dress, flowers, everything. That's devastating. And for them to be so selfish as to not think about her is just pathetic. And it makes me sick. And not only do they get together, but they, she has a child for him. So now she's bringing a child into this toxic mess that she calls a relationship. A man that cannot communicate effectively his feelings to her who could not tell her what was going on in full. And when he tried to, he ran to alcohol and to another woman, just like his father did. I cannot believe she actually chose to be with him after all of this went down. Now, sure, some people may say, well, Aaron, he was immature, da da Well, clearly he's still immature if he's cheating on his fiancée with his ex-girlfriend, which he never actually asked to be his girlfriend in the first place, but he slept with her. Do you see the issue here? Because I do. And this is why it's detrimental to the black community because toxic behaviors such as going to substances such as alcohol, dealing with our problems is not okay. And it's teaching black women and children, men to, hey, when you have an issue, Run to something instead of going to your partner about it. Run to another person. That's not okay. It's not okay. Well, I'm glad that you all listened to this new installment on my BCF Black Classic Film. I thoroughly enjoyed watching it, and I hope that you guys watch it as well. Well, this is Aaron City. Sit pretty, and I will see you guys later. Bye-bye.